0: Locked on packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Rag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at lockedonpackers.com. Before we get to our injury Friday. Late-breaking Friday afternoon news. Adam Schefter reporting the Packers and Devontae Adams have agreed to a contract extension, a four-year, $58 million deal. That's $14.5 million per year making Devontae Adams one of the highest-paid receivers in football. As we get the details of this deal, obviously we'll we'll discuss them. I'll bring them to you right now. That's the information that we have. By the time you're listening, there could be more information out there. Um, This is just the nature of the medium, and so... This is what we have to work with at this point. Obviously, this is a this is a Packers team that that feels like Adams is a clear number 1 receiver. I think he's proven that. Um and, and I think they overpaid a little bit based on market value to get a guy that that they wanted. Now, the the Track does this great thing called estimated market value. They they estimated his value about 12 12.9 million, but I thought after after Alshon Jeffrey signed his deal, that was $13 million per, that there was just no way that that Devontae was going to get less than that. And so he gets what Demaryius Randall and Des Bryant got a couple years ago when they they signed their extension. He's not the highest paid guy in the league on an average per year basis, but he's he's now right there top, you know, top five. But these things are always situational because someone is going to get signed in the offseason that beats it. Or during the season, or whatever it is, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league, and he's now going to get paid like it. And I think this is this is another move to prove to your team that you're serious. Adams is a young player, an ascending player. He's still only 25 years old, so this is a, this is a big move by Ted Thompson. They had they have cap space. They could have close to 50 million in cap space, depending on what happens with Martellus Bennett's. Uh, Signing bonus, and so this is going to be a big part of that. Obviously, he is the priority, and rightfully so. He has proven to be the the team's best playmaker. He deserves this. They had to keep him. He had all the leverage with Jordy Nelson, his his declining play, and Randall Cobb's athleticism waning. They they've failed to hit on tight ends. This is the only guy they had. They had a, they have a couple good running backs that that we, that are young and talented, but. Other than that, I mean, Devontae is it. They have to go get somebody in the offseason. And this was his exertion of leverage. Your value is what you can negotiate. Your value is what you have the leverage to demand. And Devontae had all the leverage in this situation. I think this is, this is going to end up looking like a win for the Packers because I think next year with Devontae clearly the number one, he has a big season. And, and he, was, he was just given an award by the local PFWA in Green Bay is one of the best guys to deal with from a locker room standpoint. He is. And he is he is committed to this team, obviously. The team is committed to him. He has developed a chemistry over a number of years, by the way, with Aaron Rodgers, that he did not have early in his career. And this is, this is a positive to take away from what has otherwise been uh, a somewhat daunting season for Packers fans. This is our final Injury Report Friday show of the 2017 season which will end ingloriously in Detroit in Week 17 in a game that will not matter for either team except for draft positioning. Now, what this will mean is a number of players are not going to play because the game is meaningless, and it will give the Packers opportunities to see other players. Devontae Adams has already been ruled out, as has Jordy Nelson, Aaron Jones, Nick Perry, Jari Evans, and Richard Rodgers. In addition, Geronimo Allison, Clay Matthews, Demarius Randall, and Ulrich John are listed as questionable. The last one being far less impactful than, than the ones before it. But that means that Jari Evans could possibly have played his last game as a Packer. He is a free agent at the end of this season. I said yesterday, I think he's played well enough to be brought back. But I think also Lucas Patrick and Justin McCray have played well enough that, that Green Bay doesn't have to invest money in Evans. I think it would be a worthy investment, especially because he's not going to cost very much. Not at his age and not at the money that he was making this year. That's not really Ted Thompson's MO, but there are plenty of places elsewhere that that Green Bay w- will need help and will need that cap space. Maybe that's a move that, that they're willing to make for, for a veteran player to retain him, given how... Ted Thompson has traded aging offensive linemen, however. I think it's a good bet Jari Evans is done. Richard Rodgers also will not play, as I said. Could be his final game in Green Bay. Lance Kendricks is under contract next year. They don't have anyone really on the roster who is a proven tight end. I think almost certainly they're going to need to draft someone. And my guess is they're going to have to sign someone. Now, where, where they can get a quality player, I don't know. Free agency is a crapshoot, as the Packers and Packer fans found out this year with, with the tight end position. So they're going to use Week 17 as an opportunity to further evaluate Lance Kendricks. Obviously, he did not produce in a bigger role against Minnesota. Had multiple opportunities and couldn't do anything with them, including a couple of ugly, ugly drops. That is a position moving forward Green Bay is going to have to address. They do not have, unlike with Jari Evans, they do not have an heir apparent on the roster to Richard Rodgers, to Martellus Bennett, or to Lance Kendricks. So I think Kendricks has to be back next year. They could get out of his contract at the end of the year with with minimal cap damage, but given what they have, I think it's more likely that he is back. I think they let Rodgers walk. If they're able to recoup some of that money from the Martellus Bennett, signing bonus, that would give them some, some cap space to play with to get a tight end. Now, the receiver position is interesting because... Without Adams and without Nelson, I expect Allison, if he's going to play, and Clark to start outside, not Janice. Clark came in the game. This is worth noting, and I didn't mention it all week, but I probably should have. The first outside receiver off the bench, and really the first receiver full stop off the bench for Green Bay in the Minnesota game, was Clark. Janice got in later after they they pulled Nelson. Davis got in after they pulled Cobb. But the first guy was Clark. And so I expect him to start. If Allison doesn't go... I expect it'll be Janice and you'll you'll have Cobb playing at least early on and then see what Trevor Davis can do. Nothing I've seen so far suggests to me that Trevor Davis is an NFL receiver. Nothing I've seen suggests Jeff Janus is an NFL receiver, though I think there there could have been circumstances where he could do some things. It's just clear that the coaches and more importantly the quarterback didn't trust him to do it. If anything, Green Bay might want Janice to not play well, so they can pay him like a punt gunner. And and hope that no one takes a chance on him. That seems unlikely because a lot of teams were very much interested in his talent the year that he was drafted. Though obviously he, he fell in the draft to a position where Green Bay was able to get him in the seventh round. With Nick Perry out and and potentially Clay Matthews out, that means Vince Beagle and Kyler Fackrell are going to get more run. We we don't we don't know what the status is with Brooks though. I think it's it's fair to believe that that they're going to give Fackrell and Beagle the lion's share. No pun intended of the snaps at outside linebacker. They're going to still use a rotation. Brooks will still play it. Even if Clay is healthy, I don't think he's going to get a ton of snaps. The Aaron Jones injury is interesting because that would open up an opportunity for Devontae Mays. And obviously he is disappointed in his limited time, the the two carry, two fumble game being the the most prominent of those failures. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago. There was a a November column right before the Ravens game. Pete Doherty, wrote that, that Mays may be the best of the trio. And Bob McGinn, before the season, thought that Mays was the best of the three, or at least the most talented. And so to give him an opportunity in this game, even, even playing with a bunch of backups in a game that doesn't matter, is valuable evaluation for Mays because he's playing NFL players, which he wasn't doing in the preseason. Obviously, his go-round with NFL players has not gone well. And then if Demarius Randall can't play, that leaves Devon House, Lindsey Pipkins, and, you know, it's not clear that they want to go any deeper than that on the roster with, with Josh Hawkins. Um, it looks like Isaiah Whitehead is sort of their backup slot, Morgan Burnett. So this is going to be an opportunity for Green Bay to, to treat this game as an exhibition and evaluate some of their players. What I would What I would like to see, at least early on, is if Randall does play, they have Randall and House, they man them up, you put Josh Jones on Eric Ebron, and you try and run your best man defense against Matthew Stafford, and see if it works. You're not going to get as good a pass rush as you as you would if if Nick Perry and Clay Matthews were on the field, but let's go see it. See what it looks like. See if they can get it done because there's an evaluation process here that that is is greater than just this game. One more thing I want to get to before we. Before we get out of here, but I, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. Gets you access to player grades, tools, fantasy football data, NFL draft content, and all sorts of things that can make you a smarter football fan. And all it takes is your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, it's that easy. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and and then wrote about it for Acme Packing Company today, and that is this idea of of whether or not Ted Thompson should have been more engaged in the decision making around Dom Capers. And I, I've heard from some fans on on Twitter about well, Ted Thompson needed to have been; he should have put the pressure on McCarthy. And here's here's the problem is Ted Thompson wasn't going to fire Mike McCarthy, at least not over Dom Capers. And so if he's not cap- comfortable firing McCarthy, then you can't threaten to fire McCarthy because if he calls your bluff, then you're screwed. And and furthermore, what, what kind of coach would want to play for a GM who's not going to let him make his own decision about coaches? But the question is, doesn't Mike McCarthy have to be held responsible for his hiring practices? Doesn't he, as someone who is beho- technically beholden to the GM, if he has hired someone and stuck with someone who continually undermines the success of the organization, isn't it incumbent upon management to say, we need to make a change here? This is, this is, the, this is the problem that I have. This is, this is the issue that, that Thompson faced. And we don't know if there were these discussions behind the scenes. I think it's clear that Mike McCarthy let Dom Capers stay too long. The league has passed him by. Now, how Ted Thompson should have reacted to that, I think, is an open question. Here is is where the question starts to get murky, and that is, is it worth asking if Ted Thompson should be thinking about McCarthy's future? And should his failures with Capers be part of that equation? And, And the example that I used was... In 2014, conservative play calling cost the Packers an NFC title. And then 2015, the offense was a complete disaster once Jordy Nelson got hurt. That is partially on Mike McCarthy for one, abdicating his play calling duties. And number two, not being good enough or creative enough or adaptive enough to make this offense go after Nelson got hurt. Number three, the the struggles continued in 2016 until Aaron Rodgers just went full God mode for the last... Two months of the year and into the playoffs. So, how much credit does McCarthy get for that? If you look at the track record going back three years, this is a concerning trend. On its own, maybe it wouldn't be enough to say we're going to make a change. Continuity is important. Aaron Rodgers it has thrived under Mike McCarthy at various points in his career, won two MVPs, won a Super Bowl. So, it's not as though we should just throw those things away. But if McCarthy's track record becomes suspect, and you have this issue with his defensive coordinator. Then maybe Thompson does need to say, Hey, Mike, here's the deal. We got to make a change. And either he goes or you both go. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think it puts him in an untenable position because then if McCarthy does fire capers, there's a potential strain to their relationship. Maybe McCarthy you know, feel slighted or whatever, you do want to, you do want to keep your head coach happy, but at the same time, you're professionals, you're getting paid millions of dollars, do your job. Now, I think this is going to get itself taken care of because I think McCarthy is going to make a change. I think Dom Capers is out. Michael Cohen on Milwaukee Radio again said today that he thinks Capers is out. Again, not a hot taker. This is, this is in the same genre of, of sports writer with Tom Silverstein and and Rob Domofsky, these guys are not just throwing stuff out there. It seems pretty clear the writing is is not only on the wall, it's everywhere. So maybe, maybe we don't have to worry about this. I think it's a fair question to wonder, especially if the Packers continue to, to underperform, fail to make any more Super Bowls or win any more Super Bowls in the Aaron Rodgers era, if a, a change needed to be made sooner defensively, and potentially offensively, if again, if we go the next five, six, seven years, and there are no more trips or no more wins of the Super Bowl, and Mike McCarthy is the coach through all of that, then I think I think you do have to look at should a change have been made, and not necessarily this year, but next year, and and those are things that that you know with more information that that we can make those calls years into the future. The reason that I that I thought of this question originally was what if Ted Thompson watches Mike McCarthy do nothing this offseason as far as the defensive leadership. And he goes to Mike and he says, hey, what's the deal? Are we going to make a move or are we not going to make a move? And Mike says, well, I think we're good. Like we're we're going to get some new players. You're going to draft us some guys. And and Kevin King and Josh Jones are going to get so much better that this defense is just going to be awesome next year. You wait and see. Then I think Ted has to start start wondering... Not just start wondering. He, he should already be wondering. The question should already have been raised in his mind, is Mike McCarthy the right guy to take this team forward? That is not me espousing a change. That is me saying Ted Thompson should already be looking at it, given what we've seen the last three years in particular. And that includes the handling of Dom Capers. Now, I'm not saying Ted Thompson should be reactionary and say, okay, well, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire McCarthy if he doesn't fire T- Dom Capers not making a change this offseason would indicate to me if I am the GM that my coach is not just loyal to a fault but is has a lack of imagination, a lack of adaptability and a lack of willingness to change, not just an ability to change but a willingness to change. And that would concern me enough that I would say I've got a Hall of Fame quarterback. I've got some talented players on this team. We can be a Super Bowl team with the right leadership. And we obviously don't have that. We need to make a change. I think all that stuff should be on the table. It should be part of the equation. Again, I don't think Mike McCarthy should be out. But if he were, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it an enormous mistake. And those are two very different things. You go to an Italian restaurant, order steak, and have it be really good. I would say, eh, probably should have gotten the pasta. But the steak could be really good. I think it's a similar situation. If the Packers fire Mike McCarthy and hire Josh McDaniels, Maybe I feel differently about it. These are all discussions that we're going to have down the line, and, and they're important discussions, and and they're going to be part of how we approach this offseason. We've had some really exciting growth on the show this year, brought in some new sponsors. You've heard me do the ad reads, and there's still room. If you want to sponsor this podcast, if you are looking for men in particular in a prime demographic, the prime demographic age-wise, then you should be sponsoring this podcast, and I promise you our rates are reasonable. Reach out to me at peter underscore bukowski at yahoo.com. We can have a discussion about it, but I would love to have you sponsor this podcast. Would love to continue to bring you this great content. So if you or someone you know has a business that could use a little marketing boost and is looking for men 18 to 44, this is the podcast for you. All right, this is it. Week 17, Packers-Lions. Could be the last time we see a lot of these players in Packer uniforms. We don't know. And we could have seen the last of some of some of these guys. Jari Evans, Richard Rodgers, Jordy Nelson. We didn't even talk about that, and, and that is obviously something that we'll talk about moving forward. But this could be the last time we see Devon House with his contract up at the end of the year. This could be the last time we see Morgan Burnett. With his contract up at the end of the year, Corey Lindsley, who knows whether the Packers win or whether they lose is not going to have a huge bearing on, on much of anything, except how we feel maybe about Brett Hundley. If he plays well, maybe you feel a little bit better about him, but... This is a game that, that only matters in as much as they're gonna put the stats in the stat book. Beyond that, it, uh, it doesn't have much impact on, on what is gonna happen moving forward. I don't think a lot of jobs are gonna be won and lost, but they will be part of the evaluation tool, which makes them meaningful in, in one way, but not materially to the, the outcome of the season. And Packer fans are not used to a week 17 game like that. At least not, not one that doesn't also include a, a playoff trip. So book some vacations during January, I have one booked and uh, enjoy that you don't have to stress about your team in the playoffs. Look, take it take it as a positive. Look at look on the bright side. Green Bay could could still win. Could still be a 500 team despite the fact that its quarterback only played 6 games this year. We'll be back Monday to discuss the game and and move forward with the offseason. We're going to bring you all sorts of of what I hope is interesting and compelling content. So I hope that you'll stick with us through the offseason, into the draft season, free agency OTAs, and, and everything that comes with it. I hope you will stay locked on and packed